Hello, you mindful mamas, and welcome back to another episode of the Enlightenedhood Podcast, where I share real motherhood stories and empower the soul of the mother through mindfulness and spirituality. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, and I cannot seem to get my words out today, so this is about the bajillionth time that I have recorded this intro, so let's hope this one is the winner. Before we get into today's interview, I just want to tell you something because I think it's really important and I hope someone listening really needs to hear this today that I think you need to give yourself more credit for being mindful and showing up. It takes such a conscious effort to be present every day and there's such a misconception that once you are on the other side of deciding to be mindful and conscious and raise your vibrations, that it's kind of just smooth sailing from there. But it's not. And it it is a practice and it is a conscious effort every single day. And the fact that you're showing up and you're present and you're putting in the work, I applaud you. You are amazing. And the fact that you are doing it despite everything going on is just a testament to how amazing you are. So please, please, please give yourself more credit. Today I am chatting with Suzanne Gilly-Smith, who created the Instagram account Plus Size Breastfeeding because she wasn't seeing herself represented online in any motherhood stories. And this is actually one of my favorite conversations on this podcast because as you know, if you follow me on Instagram, that I'm really frustrated with the way that people tend to label your baby as a good baby if she's sleeping and eating well and as a bad baby if she's not eating and sleeping well. And the fact that we're not asking real parenthood questions and we're just having these shallow conversations is really frustrating to me. And I'm doing my best to try to shift this conversation through my own personal account and through Enlightenedhood and through this podcast. And I just appreciate having these conversations with like-minded mothers who really understand that we need to start sharing these real motherhood stories and showing up vulnerably and authentically to not only be the best mother for our children, but to lead by example and help future mothers really know what this next chapter of their life is like. So here's Suzanne. So one of the things I love the most is that when we first connected, you said that you were kind of scared to reach out, but you wanted to be vulnerable. And I just love that so much because I think that's just so beautiful. And I think I've, I appreciate that because I've been in such a place of vulnerability recently. So anyone who has the courage to admit they're being vulnerable, especially to someone that they have no idea who's on the other end, I just thought that was so beautiful. And I love that we were able to connect. Thank you. I, um, pregnancy and motherhood kind of ripped open the vulnerability factor for my whole being. So I, and every time that I was forced into a situation of vulnerability within those structures and confines and experiences, I noticed that the more present and willing I was to accept it and move in it, the better things turned out to be. Um, you know, if I just, put myself out there and experienced what was happening or something that I liked, I, I noticed that it was there for me and also that I could be present in it and creating a life helped with my feeling of being empowered to do so. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that I could do that for me, but knowing that I was doing it for this 
person I was creating somehow felt like I had more permission to do so. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, you know, now having that factor and motivator of am I living a life that I would want my child to eventually live or I want to model for that being. And I thought, yeah, well, and, you know, I want to experience the richness of connection. And I think that that's a really important thing in motherhood, especially like you said earlier in the fourth trimester brain, like my connection in that time was minimal. And Mm. so I've tried to force myself out of that Mm. in order to kind of pave a new way because the ways before pregnancy and motherhood don't work anymore and that's okay but there's just change in abundance with all of it yeah so tell me what was it like once you started forcing yourself to be vulnerable and show up for because you wanted your son to have the same terrifying (laughs) (laughs) uh I know that that's probably no, a vulnerable expression in itself, but it's very scary to reach out to people, to ask for things, to uh, share parts of myself that I've previously either kept private or didn't even acknowledge I had within me. Um, it's very eye-opening and also very renewing and mm-hmm. and just it adds a different perspective to the life I've already lived, but also to how I want to structure my life going forward as not just a parent, but as a person. And I think that that's been a really big thing that I've worked on with my therapist is acknowledging that I'm a person, not just a parent Mm -hmm. and showing up in my life as a person and not just a parent. And even though my main role in life right now is parent, there's a person in that. And Mm -hmm. I want my son to feel like he's allowed to be fully human. So I have to be fully human with him too. You know, we're all perfectly flawed or imperfectly perfect. However, people want to acknowledge their imperfections, but no one was meant to be perfect. And that's what makes us all wonderful is that, you know, we can all connect over our shared failures, our shared letdowns, betrayals, and all of those experiences that, you know, have grief in them that aren't necessarily losses. Mm -hmm. And I think that that connects all of us in a way, especially as parents, you know, there are multiple times, like just today, trying to change my son's diaper. I, I, he was naked for about 10 minutes because I just couldn't get it back on him. And I felt like a terrible mother, <laughs> but I'm not, uh, No, but I felt like it. <laughs> and, and I'm sure the second I tell other mothers, they'll be like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, right. And I noticed that the more I share the things that I'm the most ashamed of, the better I feel because not only do I give another person the opportunity to say something that's true for them, but I'm no longer just carrying it myself. Mm. I like the way you said that. And it's so true. Mm. Yeah. I think so much now, I mean, social media is a monster, but there, there is some good in it 
for, like you said, releasing and sharing, Mm. sharing those things that we've been taught to feel ashamed of, but then you feel so validated when someone else shares it. And then you realize, oh, wait, we're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and postpartum immediately social media was the biggest way for me to feel not alone. Mm. Um, you know, and I live in a very rural area right now and there are not a lot of other people who I'm friends with who have had children at the same time that I did. Um, and so connecting to a postpartum community really happened online for me rather than in person and not even a community, but just different moms at different stages, you know, different people who were still expecting people who are on their conception journeys, people who have had three or four kids. And and it's just very interesting to see the things that tie everyone together is both high points of celebration and milestones and monthly photos and all of the things we do to mark the passage of time, but also all of the low points we experience just as people and, and family and the moments that, you know, we feel not good enough. Cause I think a lot of social media is showing off the good, mm-hmm. but I think there's, there's good to be found in, showing off what's hard and complicated and, you know, intricate about living life that's changing rapidly that you feel there's so much to unravel, but is there enough time to unravel all of it? That's how I feel about parenthood in general, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's only, she's 11 and a half weeks old. Yeah, very young. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, I kind of have noticed changes in her. Like right now she's at that, Mm. she's in one of her leaps. So her head is growing and I can tell that her her forehead looks a little bigger, (laughs) but yeah, I was looking at pictures of her when she was two weeks old. And to me, she's always looked the way that she looks. And I was looking back, I was like, I can't even believe that she looked like that. And it just, it's like a blink of time in front of us and it's just mind blowing Mm -hmm. yeah is it second leap now yeah or third she's in the um not the the pat the one that comes after patterns yeah it's it's crazy just they change so fast she just found her feet today oh i know I know that's so sweet we were in the car and I was looking at her in the rear view mirror and she's just sitting there staring at her toes <laughs> whoa she's like, yeah what are these things and then at Barnes and Noble a few weeks ago I found this little sock puppet set so they go on her feet uh-huh. and have these bugs yeah. on them oh my god so I put them on her feet tonight and it was just my heart with her like putting on a little bug show for herself kept her occupied that's amazing (laughs) and that's so great though that you thought to get that you know there are these little things that are so random it seems like now that you know you'll be attracted to or think like oh that'd be fun and then eventually you wind up using them with Mm -hmm. your child and they love them you know I I bought a walker for my son like it's a push walker toy um uh, I think he was like five months old mm-hmm. and I knew he wouldn't be using it anytime soon, but it has a detachable thing that you can sit on the ground and they can play with it. Um, it's all kinds of farm noises. It's great. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but um the first time he played with that he sobbed he cried he screamed and he was just like I'm not ready for this mom this is scary and new and then you know now he's almost nine months and he's carrying it around trying to figure out how the wheels work and like it's almost his favorite toy and the first time he saw it he was like no Uh -uh. so it's just amazing to see how they're their brains grow and, and how we try to anticipate the next thing they're going to be interested in or doing. I or, know. Yeah. It's almost unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the best advice that several people have told me, and it's of course just so true. It's, they said, just when you thought that you understood or had a pattern down or that she yeah. was the way she was, she's going to change. Yep. The only constant is there's no constant. Yeah, I love that. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about plus size breastfeeding. So did you start this postpartum and was it, did it come as a, like an enlightenment from postpartum? Yeah. Um, when I was pregnant, I looked online for a lot of plus size resources. Um, my husband and I, tried to conceive for over a year and we were able to naturally, um, which was a surprise to me as a plus size person because I have a lot of friends who are needed interventions and just the medical community in general makes it out to think that being of a certain size is just the end of the world when it comes to fertility. So Mm -hmm. I was just very anxious about that and very aware of it. And there are some uh, reproductive cancer experiences in my family history. So I was just very apprehensive and anxious about that journey for us. Um, We conceived and I wanted to have everything prepared for when our child arrived. And I knew that as a plus size mom, I would need to do some extra research for things that worked for me because like the body pillow doesn't fit me. It doesn't fit around my waist pre-pregnancy. So I knew that post-pregnancy with a nursing chest and the baby and all of that. There's no way I could juggle that. Mm. Um, so, you know, just trying to read every review I could about every kind of pillow and then thinking like, well, do I even need to get a special pillow? What should I do? I wound up getting a pillow. It's shaped kind of like a boomerang and I really like it. It was really great to use for a football hold because it would go like an L shape around that side of my body. I could use it for a cradle, cross cradle. I could use it in bed like for my head I used it between my legs in the hospital mm-hmm. while my child was in the NICU like it was just a very it's a very nice pillow but so many of those resources it's just one or two or three plus size people who have left reviews and you have to dig through mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different plus size communities like um plus mommy her name is Jen and she does plus size birth she's done so much work in plus size parenthood uh, there's some resources that she's put together in every kind of topic so I was able to kind of sift through a lot of her material and look at what applied to me or what I thought I would like to have going forward and then um I took the classes you know I we did the prepared childbirth class I took the one day was like a four or five hour breastfeeding course um and through the hospital we deliver that and there's um 
they have a lactation department, they have lactation consultants, and the childbirth educator we worked with for our childbirth class was one of the um, lactation consultants. So we had a foundation and kind of a community here to support the breastfeeding, mm -hmm. and I felt like I could, and I I was very committed to it. I, I don't know why this was one thing that I felt that I was determined to do. I think because all of, as soon as I had breasts, I had large breasts. So I think my whole life I thought, well, I have to do this because this is something that my body clearly can do. So I mm -hmm. thought, wow, if I don't and I have this part of my body, I'm a failure, which isn't true. But, you know, there are all kinds of things we believe about ourselves or tell ourselves Mm -hmm. that aren't true and we have to I have to be very mindful about what I tell myself because if you say anything enough times it's going to be true mm -hmm. and I I have to work on intentionally one of the biggest practices I have is if I think a negative thought about myself and it can be hard to recognize that it's negative because sometimes judgment just feels like a fact not mm -hmm. even negative um yeah but if I notice that I'm thinking negatively or even thinking things that just aren't true, I need to think about two things that are true or two things that are good about what's going on or good about me or good about what I'm surrounded by my experiences just to kind of balance out the account in my head of what's going on, excuse me, in my world and in my brain and, and within my being. Because if I, if I speak myself that way, what am I setting up? What, what voice is my child going to hear? Mm -hmm. What do my friends hear? What does my family hear? So I, throughout pregnancy, I was very cognizant of the fact that I was potentially going to have different experiences and the mainstream Instagram posts too. You know, I, I would see all kinds of, you know, straight size or average sized people who had given birth and had their first latch right away skin to skin in the hospital bed with their, you know, their delivery robes that they ordered probably from a sponsored Instagram post and mm. just the, the beautiful photos that exist. And I wanted those things, but those don't really exist yet or they're not common enough yet and they're not tracked in a community yet. And we I didn't feel empowered to claim a community and I still don't feel like I've claimed anything except just designated a space for this to exist so that other people can see and interact with one another about it. And, um, I created it, um, right. It was the day after my son turned six months old. I think we went to his six month checkup and, I realized that we've been breastfeeding for six months, which exclusively so after a NICU stay with a lip tie, with overactive letdown, with all kinds of stuff. I mean, he had a feeding tube, we had traumatic birth, cesarean delivery. I mean, there were a lot of setbacks, but at no point was he supplemented, not given any formula. And I felt like my journey wasn't special like it it's not I'm not the only one who's been through this mm. I'm not the only plus size person who's had a difficulty and why didn't I see these stories represented you know I see all kinds of celebrities even sharing now they're breast pumping and new postpartum experiences we have Hillary Duff sharing her experiences mm -hmm. 
teach from her, Rachel McAdams with her shoot, um, where she's sitting in that bed pumping in all of her beautiful made up glory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it is lovely that those images exist. It's beautiful that it's being normalized. Um, but after six months of seeing what my body did and not seeing other bodies that looked like mine, I wanted to intentionally create a space for other people to see these bodies and for other people to see bodies that looked like theirs. So not only to normalize plus size mothers and plus size people who breastfeed and plus just plus size bodies, but also so that people who are pregnant and who maybe had one child and didn't achieve the success they wanted to breastfeeding because of their size and lack of support that they could connect to people online because I know, you know, my lactation consultants weren't plus sized or versed really in the plus size difficulties. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into it, managing, you know, a little six pound baby and my breast weighs more than that. So it's a very scary thing at first. I thought, you know, many times it was going to suffocate my child. And I'm sure a lot of moms feel that way in general when they breastfeed mm-hmm. because it's a very, interesting experience um but there was just a lot about it that I wanted to open up rather than keep hidden because there's a lot of with any part of parenthood that's not you know pristine and breastfeeding is not a pristine experience and I'm sure anyone who's breastfed for even more than two seconds can tell you that it's just a a very interesting thing and I think too a lot of larger bodies are subjected to more scrutiny that comes to messy Mm -hmm. things, you know, like if they're eating, you know, certain people feel less comfortable eating in public based on their size, or they can't eat certain things based on their size without feeling subject to scrutiny. And, you know, feeding my kid is something that has to happen Mm -hmm. and it has to happen for every person who has a child. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that other people felt that, breastfeeding as a plus size person was a valid choice and an available choice and that there are normal everyday people who do that. You know, I'm not an expert in any part of breastfeeding. I'm not a nurse. I've not been certified as a lactation consultant for which I'm pretty sure you have to be a nurse. And, you know, I I don't have any other certifications when it comes to the, the medical part that is lactation, but just as a person who's been doing this, I wanted to claim that space and make sure that it was seen and shared. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. And I don't think you need any kind of degree or training for that because you saw the need and you wanted representation and that's just so beautiful. So what was the response like when you started connecting with women who said, thank you so much for creating this space? Um, I I can't tell you how many messages I have, even unright at this moment, that are like, you know, I've been looking for this or I didn't think I'd be able to breastfeed. I'm so glad I found this. And, you know, I have quite a few pregnant followers right now who say that this is inspiring them to look up more about breastfeeding and they weren't sure that they'd be able to. And it's been amazing to see and connect with people from all over there's someone from the netherlands that shared images with me there are people from all over the united states someone from australia and it's just been very interesting 
to connect with people in this sh- very, very specific shared thing, mm-hmm. but it's not uncommon. Yeah. So that just seeing that in general, in any shared space, you know, no one is alone in anything. You can yeah. find community or make community about almost anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm currently working on trying to figure out a way to list recommended things that I've tried. And I've mm-hmm. reached out to a couple of size nursing accessory, like bras and shirts and things like that brands. Cause I didn't buy any, I wasn't willing to spend 60 to a hundred dollars on a shirt. I knew probably wouldn't fit, Right. but now I have people, you know, it can be anywhere between one and 10 people every two or three days saying, Hey, have you tried this? Hey, do you have a recommendation for this? And mm-hmm. I share my experience and I say, you know, look through the posts or if there's a question you'd like me to post to the followers, like I I'm totally open to making the space, what the space needs to be mm-hmm. and holding space for that is something I couldn't have done before the six month mark. But once we got there, I felt like we accomplished something and I want to hold the space for other people who are on that journey too, and are trying to accomplish it too. And a lot of people have been very inspired to share their own images because someone else had. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool to see that, you know, just in me living my life and experiencing what parenthood is for me, being able to share images of me feeding my child made it easier for someone else to do. And that was honestly, I think in the first post, that's all I said was I was looking for images of people who looked like me when I was pregnant and I didn't see many of them. And so here I am, here's me feeding my son and, you know, I'm here breastfeeding and probably so both breastfeeding and plus size and just taking up that space has made it easier for others to fill that space too, which that ripple effect is undescribably cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So this has only been since March ish, right? Cause your son's what, mm-hmm. nine months mm-hmm. now, eight months. He will be, months? He's eight and a half. He will be nine months on the 27th of June. So uh, just a little bit from now, oh but goodness. yeah. Yeah. It's been less than three months and we're, I think latest count is a little under 700 followers. That's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I have some lactation consultants that have messaged me and said, you know, Hey, I don't have experience with, you know, I don't have specific training for this. I'm so glad you made this account, which is like, that's great. Wow. I'm so glad that there are people who don't have experience with this one thing who are seeing it. And mm-hmm. it's enriching that for other yeah. people they might come in contact with. So, wow, that's been really cool. And now for you as an empowered woman and mother, how, how has this continued to empower you? Um, great question. I, um, I lost my job due to postpartum depression issues and, um, I didn't return to work after having my child and finding meaning outside of our three hour rotation of feeding, changing, sleeping was very hard for me um, up to maybe the four or five month mark. And 
again, like I said earlier, connecting to community and other moms through social media was very important and hard for me to do because I felt so alone, but I knew it was important to do. So um, creating this space felt very natural to be the next thing because it's what I'd spent most of my energy on in our six months when I created it. You know, I, I did, I kept going because my goal was to breastfeed my kid for the first six months of his life. I was determined for that to work and it was hard and I often didn't feel like I could do it. I often felt that my body wasn't good enough for it. I felt that I had no business being mom. I believed all kinds of terrible things about myself and about my parenthood journey because I was sick and still am. And I, you know, I'm on medication and I go to counseling and I make sure to practice intentionally taking care of myself and being mindful with what I believe about what's going on and what, which is what drew me to your account in general, because that's being empowered is practice. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to continue to claim your power and it's very easy to lose it. You know, when you said, when you said (laughs) empowered, I was like, Oh, right. I am. I do have power. It was a, a very timely reminder that that's part of who I am. And, you know, I'm the only person, other people can remind you of your power, but you have to claim it to truly be an empowered mm-hmm. individual. And um, I definitely think that seeing how meaningful it is to the people who have responded to it or liked or engaged with it at all has just been a reminder that it's okay to be who I am Mm -hmm. and the kind of mother I am. And it's okay. Even when it's not, you know, not being okay all the time is okay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us experience, you know, moments or hours or days that are just not Instagram perfect. And that's okay. And that's real. And, you know, there's a lot of, connection happening over those real things now compared to other things that are just such great influencing images you know people are reading and engaging more especially when it comes to postpartum bodies and mothers experiencing a range of things you're right it is so easy to just lose our power and I feel like there's just this big misconception in terms of mindfulness and enlightenment and intentional living mm-hmm. that once you find it it's just smooth sailing from there right right like you're on cruise control once yeah. you get to that perfect spot right so, no it's a, it's I, honestly and I've had this discussion with friends too like once you're aware it's so much harder mm-hmm. because there's so much more you're seeing so much more you're doing so much more you have to decide because living with intention takes energy living living you know out of habit is an effective way for some people but it 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 didn't serve me anymore I had I had no habits once I became a mom Mm -hmm. every habit I had was gone because my whole world changed and it had to there was another person in it connected to my body 
for 12 hours out of a 24 hour day, if not longer. Um, and yeah, um, you know, and, and I had to change a lot of my ideas about what we were going to be. I wanted to have my son on a schedule by like four weeks. That did not happen. And guess what? Still doesn't. Cause yeah, cause he's unpredictable. And again, the only constant that is that there is no constant, you know, mm-hmm. when he's teething, he takes more naps when he's not teething. He likes to be more active. I read off the other day that he might only take one nap now. And today he took three. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what the next day holds. I can't, I can't put expectations on a new life because that's not fair. And I realized that I was doing that to myself. Yeah. I was also putting expectations on myself. I'm brand new at this too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think approaching things with awareness and mindfulness and feeling intentional takes great courage and vulnerability like we were talking about before because it's it's way easier to not show up for your own life yeah it doesn't feel great but it's easier and I think that you know showing up for myself has been hard but it's made easier now that I'm a parent because I have someone who sees it Mm -hmm. you know he sees it all day every day whether or not I'm showing up for myself and Mm -hmm. I want him to be able to show up for himself so I have to be more intentional with what I do for me and I think that's one of the best motivators there is. Mm -hmm. When you were talking it just made me think that we just put, and I almost feel as if this is a product of an industrialized world that we put way too mm-hmm. much emphasis on schedules and time mm-hmm. when you're doing the most natural thing you could possibly mm-hmm. be doing, feeding your child. And we've just, just put so much stress on that. Like you said that you wanted to have a schedule, but I don't even think I, I heard something very interesting. Have you ever watched the show? Adam ruins everything. I have watched a couple of things, but I, I haven't, <laughs> I didn't want anything to be ruined for me just oh. yet. So, but I, yeah, but I have watched a few things like when he just did YouTube, I haven't watched his Netflix show. Oh, yet, but. oh, oh my God. It's, it will make your brain hurt. But anyway, so he yeah. did, I forget what the topic of the episode was, but it's mm-hmm. actually scientifically not natural for us to sleep all the way through the night. And that before we had nine to five jobs, we used to just get up in the middle of the night, do whatever, and then go back to bed. So the fact that we put so much pressure on ourselves as parents and as babies of sleeping all the way through the night and being on these very strict schedules is just, it just seems so silly to me. And so unrealistic. Yeah. I was, I was, we went um, to an infant massage class yesterday and my son was the biggest baby there <laughs> as he's almost nine months the other two babies there were five and six weeks respectively oh and <laughs> yes it was a little and squishy oh. <laughs> um and you know when we were waiting for the class to start someone asked the mother of the six week old oh is he a good baby is he sleeping and I wanted to be like you don't ask her that no mm-hmm. the baby's not sleeping it's six weeks old <laughs> no yeah no that baby's not sleeping that mom's not sleeping that dad's not sleeping no one's sleeping they sleep in two hours since when they can 
And that's and that is a good baby. Yes. A good baby it's a normal wakes baby. up when they need to. Yes. Yes. But this connotation that good means sleeping and detached from their parents mm-hmm. at six weeks is unrealistic. They just spent 10 months inside of a person. Why are we expecting them to be able to function oh, far away? I mean, I, you know, it, it's a very interesting thing. I can't tell you how happy that makes me <laughs> because literally yeah. that's the first question that every single person asks uh-huh. me when they see me, how she's sleeping. I'm like, how does that matter at all? And I actually wrote right. a blog. Are you going to come over at 2 a.m.? Yeah. No. And, I, and I actually wrote a blog post about this because it was just, it, it was frustrating me so much. And what I was, I was trying to decode it because everyone means well, right? Yeah. But what it, I was thinking about it of how could we translate it to mean what we could mm-hmm. really say instead? And maybe instead we say, how are you coping with this new life patterns? You know, is that what yeah. we really mean? Yeah. Instead of, is your baby a good baby? Because if they're not sleeping all the way through the night, then they are a bad, bad baby, you know? Right. What? Right. And then you judged as a parent. Like, oh, well, it's something you're doing that your baby's not. No, my baby's just a baby. Yeah. My baby just spent 10 months swimming around a warm little swim pool just for them. Yep. And now they're out in this huge world with noises and lights that they can't control. Mm-hmm. And they're totally dependent on someone that can't speak the language. So, mm-hmm. yep. Sure. Ugh. Yeah, they're a great baby. <laughs> but, you know, and. I love the reshaping of language that you mentioned. There's so much reshaping of language. I think that's important right now in this space and time. I think language reshaping is just a very poignant thing Mm -hmm. that we're all paying attention to being intentional with our language. And I think it's much easier to disengage from adult conversation when you put it to is it a good baby mm-hmm. you know then if you have to say hey how are you doing now that the baby is here and now that you're adjusting to new patterns then someone might be vulnerable to you mm-hmm. and I don't think people are prepared for that and no. you know I I think again the points you made about you know an industrial life society you know this almost obsession with efficiency mm-hmm. and um production yes being able to say you know what all I did today was this 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 and this and I don't know how I am because I didn't have a moment to stop and think about it but thank you for asking me and making me call attention to how I'm doing you know people I think it takes a very specific kind of presence and intention to have those conversations and I think that the world would be a much better place especially for new parents if we were having those conversations Mm -hmm. so that's awesome that you thought about that yeah and it's you're right I think we we don't ask those questions because it's really scary to go to that place from vulnerability but I think when we don't ask each other those questions then we're missing out on the actual experience of motherhood because we're just asking mm-hmm. the shallow questions that everyone asks and we're not asking the we're missing mm-hmm. on sharing the true experience and then we get to the place where wait everyone else was going through that but no one said anything talking about it mm-hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I've made a very conscious effort. My sister's best friend is actually pregnant right now. She hasn't announced it yet, but she will by the time that this podcast Aww. comes out. So it will be okay. Okay. But, um, so I, pregnancy really transformed me and just realizing mm-hmm. the things that people say to you when you're pregnant mm-hmm. and then when you're a new mom. And so I very intentionally have been asking her the, those kind of questions and all the things that I wish people asked me because when I was pregnant- yeah the only things that people say to you are like, what are you craving? And it's just like, what? I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the new chapter that's about to happen in my life and right, how I right. feel that my kid, what she's going to be like. And mm-hmm. we don't ask each other those questions. And especially once we become new moms and we have, it literally flips your world upside down. Mm-hmm. And to, to be asked, just to merely boil it down into, is your baby sleeping is just mm, silly. It's mind boggling. Yeah. That, that's the thing that somehow as a society we've honed in on. I know. And decided means anything about babies and new life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that that's great that you're engaging with your sister's best friend, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, at the level that you wished you were engaged mm-hmm. with. I think that it, it can be hard to redirect to mm-hmm. when when people ask us certain questions, especially as a pregnant person. I was very like, oh, no, is someone going to call me moody because I'm pregnant if I don't respond politely? Uh, you know, like if someone's going to be like, oh, no need to get all uppity about this. It's okay, <laughs> pregnant lady. Uh. But you know, I, I definitely had moments where I wanted to be like, why are you asking this? What are you going to do with the information? Exactly. You know, and we, we did not share the gender of our child until birth. And, um, like it was a surprise and people were offended with our choice. They were like, but well, what are you going to do the nursery in? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what could possibly be relevant for the first year of my child's life that's stressing you out so much that we haven't found this out? <laughs> I can't with people. And like, people are like, well, I'm mad at you. And I'm like, wow, I don't understand what this has to do with you at all. <laughs> and eventually I was like, I don't, I don't there's such a fascination with this like why and and almost an entitlement to these weird details about a new life like how are they sleeping these weird behaviors are weird things that we've decided are important and I think reshaping what's important is a great intentional practice yeah I'm gonna start doing that with my pregnant friends yeah and newly postpartum friends yeah Because it it almost becomes just these colloquialisms that we don't even think about and then they just come out of our mouth. Similar to like just saying, Mm -hmm. hi, how are you? And not really listening to what the person says after you say it, just almost as a, I'm acknowledging the fact that you're in the same room as me, but that's about it. And then we're going to carry on. Right. But let's not connect here. But, you know, I'm polite. Yeah. Yeah. And my my husband and I actually had this conversation because I was telling him that it's just, it's, I don't mind having small talk with people, but I'm also one Mm -hmm. of those people that I will sit around a campfire with you and just go so, so, so deep. And that's the the conversations that I love having. They're ones that light me up and fuel me to just, you know, 
push to be better, to show up to be better. And just those deep connections you have with people. And I mean, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast, but. I bet. Yeah. I was just going to say, of course, that that's your passion. That's wonderful. Yeah. But small talk just like makes my skin crawl now, kind of. Yeah. Just when people don't yeah. really care. And I, I am all for being nice and kind and warm and just having conversations with people. But I, and maybe it's just because I'm so hungry for those deeper conversations conversations Mm -hmm. but right now I'm just at that point where it's like if I'm just gonna have to fake smile and listen to you talk about yourself for an hour I don't know if I'm gonna show up (laughs) yeah no no and before I had a child I had unlimited source of energy for that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. You know, I could sit in a room and listen to people talk about all kinds of things and just decide what I was going to walk away from it with. Mm-hmm. You know, I could take the things that mattered and I could leave the things that didn't. And now I'm like, uh-uh, no, no, I do not have the time or the energy or the space or um, anything to tolerate mm-hmm. less than what serves and uplifts and enriches and fuels like you said me because so much of parenting is giving to your child you know from what you have and if the connections you're making don't refill that or nurture that or inspire that then it it, then you're just depleting more of your energy and I I have to be very observant with how I spend my energy now yes Yeah. A thousand times. Do you ever feel like, I'm just thinking out loud here because I think this is starting to happen in my life now that I'm showing up and I'm having these really open conversations about how I, you know, just spirituality and mindfulness Mm -hmm. that people are very touchy and almost feel like you're going to judge them based on what they see or how they act or what kind of parent they are based on the way that you've kind of stepped into your authentic self. I do. And I've noticed I also have noticed, though, that some people have been, it's been refreshing for some people Uh to step into their own intentionalities. I don't even know if that's a word, but, you know, to see someone who's intentional and say, oh, I could do that too. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about how exhausting but exhilarating it is Mm -hmm. to live your life on purpose and for yourself yes and I think that people think that when you do that you know the right way to do it so you're going to judge everyone else because they're doing it the wrong way but the whole point of it is that there's a right way for everyone yes you know and my right way isn't your right way Mm -hmm. isn't the next person's isn't the right way for my husband my son my anyone and that was really hard for me to grapple with when I was pregnant because there's a lot of decisions that you have to make for your everything when it comes to pregnancy and I'm like you know especially spiritually religiously things like that any cultural observations for Mm -hmm. new life and things like that and I was like you know I was raised Catholic my husband um you know wasn't actively raised in the church but was raised Christian and I'm not practicing Catholic but I knew that somewhere along the line I had ancestors that would be quite upset if I didn't baptize my child Mm. and there was this overwhelming guilt of you know my relatives you know, 
carried this tradition on and on and on through generations and I'm going to be the one that stops it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I felt a lot of guilt and I definitely grappled with what the right decision was, you know, in, in terms of society now and what religion means and what this religion stands for and doesn't stand for and whether or not culturally passing it on because of my family is a valid reason. Mm -hmm. And it was very hard to grapple with that. And again, like we were saying earlier, being intentional takes energy. Having that thought and wrestling with it was hard. Whereas I know a lot of people who say, well, my parents did this, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a very easy thing for me to say. It was not, but it wasn't because that's not enough for me. If that's not enough of a reason, that's not enough information. And that's not a strong enough hold on the energy around that. And I had a very great conversation with my mother about it after my son was born. And, you know, I said, I feel like I'm betraying, you know, my relatives who's passed on and who raised me this way. And she's like, you're not betraying anyone. You're, oh my goodness, evolving, she said. Mm. She said, this isn't, this isn't a betrayal. It's evolving. And thinking of things that way now that I'm taking all that was passed on to me and doing what I can with it, instead of just leaving it behind, I'm using it as ingredients into whatever it is I'm making in this life. Yes. Um, feels way better. And it's just very interesting because I, you know, before I had a kid, I definitely thought that there was a an absolute right and an absolute wrong about a lot of things. And now I have no idea. I have no idea. And surrendering to I have no idea has been a very empowering practice mm. because not having the answers is a great answer for me. You know, if something happens, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to do, but we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. My son's figuring everything out. Why, why now that I'm 31, am I supposed to have all of the answers? There's no, no way anything that says that. Yeah. 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 So, you know, if I don't have an expectation for my son, I try not to have it for myself. And that's been a really good rule of thumb too. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah. We were both, you know, born around when he was born, you know, he was born into this life and I was born as a mother. So I love that. I love that you said that. I, yeah. I thought that's one of Ben, my tongue tied that's been one of the mm-hmm. most powerful things especially just speaking to all these amazing women is that almost everyone I talked to there was such a very apparent rebirth when their child was born yeah yeah and I think too that when you claim that space and stand in it people who are there for it show up Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had a lot more people present in my life mm-hmm. that are truly present yes. than I expected. And people that I thought would be present aren't. Yep. And while, while it can be disappointing, it's also like, okay, if you're not going to be here, I'm glad you're not here. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not going to be involved, I, I don't have the energy to fight for that. Yeah. So I don't, so thank you for doing me the favor now 
Mm -hmm. of showing me what you can, what level you're on with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not, it was very hard at first to reconcile that. But, you know, the further along I get in my son's life, the more I'm like, okay, the people who matter Mm -hmm. show up, the things that matter will be here for us. The Mm -hmm. things we need will happen. And, you know, it's just a very interesting time to, to observe that in others and to claim that as something that my motherhood is doing. You know, the way I'm raising my son, the way I'm conducting my life is setting an example for the level of engagement people have to have with me. Mm. So if if someone can't have that, then okay, that's for them. But, you know, if they can, that's great. I love that so much. Mm. It's such a good lesson to live by. Mm-hmm. It's hard to think about sometimes when so you know hard. I'm annoyed at someone, but Ugh. but it's also a great reminder too when I do feel that tension or friction or mm-hmm. a sense of like you know a little righteous anger or betrayal. It's like right. oh well, wait, mm-hmm. this is just a reminder. Yes. It's just information. Let me take the feeling out and look at it as the information life is giving to me. So. I'm still yeah. struggling with that myself. <laughs> yeah. But it, like, it's always a work in progress. Everything is. Ain't that the truth? Well, I like mm-hmm. to end this podcast with words of encouragement for anyone out there listening who needs to pick me up, might be having a day mm-hmm. or just needs that extra push to show up today and be vulnerable. So what are your wise words to end on? Wise words. Keep going. You know, keep going has gotten me through a lot. And eventually when you keep going enough, you've set up habits and patterns that lead to thriving. And, you know, surviving is a path to thriving. If someone is in survival and feeling like they're not going to get through to the next thing, they are doing it. If you're surviving, you're getting to the next thing and thriving is coming for you and you'll get there, you know, and, and, and sometimes you revert back and sometimes you have to survive the day to get to thrive the next one. And that's okay. It's okay to both survive and try. Thank you for listening to the Enlightened Podcast, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and celebrates every journey. If you would like to be part of our community of amazing and soulful women, find us on Instagram at Enlightenedhood. For real motherhood stories and inspirational articles, you can check us out online at Enlightenedhood.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, you mindful mamas. Music